0: And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. So glad you can join me today. Got a very lovely hour coming up for you, both this hour and next. I'm going to start today talking about shalom, peace. And I know we could all use more peace, um, not only in our world, but in our personal lives. And it seems that that beautiful shalom that we read about in scripture that's all over God's word is something that we desperately need more of my guest is Dr. Mitch Glazer he's president and chief executive officer of chosen people ministries and my friend Tom Berkowitz is here with me in studio gentlemen welcome shalom to you shalom thank you for shalom. having us
1: shalom in his peace bill
0: yeah thank you so let's just get a better understanding of shalom because i i know f- for Mitch i know you were recently in israel and i know People greet one another with shalom. Give us a real deep, rich meaning of what shalom means. Fundamentally, Bill,
1: shalom implies that there's an, there has been an underlying discord. There's been a lack of peace, a lack of wholeness, a lack of togetherness. And so the Hebrew word shalom depicts everything that was disparate and falling apart coming back together again. And so in, in some ways... That actually uh, takes a deep understanding of the state of our world, as the Bible describes it, because we are falling apart because we're in sin, Romans chapter eight, and of course, the garden uh, and the first sin and 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 all of that. And so uh, Shalom means that we, in a sense, we're reinstating what the way God made us. And uh, peace is living in a right relationship with God and experiencing all that he ever wanted us to have. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think if I understand correctly, Mitch and Tom, Shalom can be translated as peace, and it could be used both as a greeting and a farewell. (laughs) (laughs) It
2: certainly can.
0: Uh, (laughs) We're looking at you, Tom, right
2: now. Well, it's hello and goodbye. I was thinking more of Isaiah 26, uh, 3, where... The steadfast of mind, God will keep in perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. Mm. Well, it's kind of shalom, shalom, because he trusts in you. So he's there for us. That's That's one way of looking at it, Tom, for sure, and a very
1: good way of looking at it. But, of course, if you're visiting Israel for the first time and you can only learn one Hebrew word, shalom's a good one. Because if you don't know if you're coming or going, you can always say shalom. And you're always saying the right thing. So... And there, tr- you
0: and I, there you go. There you go. Yeah, and, and true shalom only comes from God, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, well, we're in, we're basking in the light of the uh, resurrection, and uh, we understand that uh, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's Sar Shalom, one of the names for the Messiah in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. He's the Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, uh, Eternal Father, and the Prince of Peace. Shalom. In fact, Chosen People Ministries often uses sort of a DBA, and we call it uh, uh, Beth Sar Shalom. We call a lot of our congregations Beth Sar Shalom, and uh, Beth Sar Shalom means the house of the Prince of Peace. And so, I think that's one of the most wonderful names for Jesus in the Old Testament.
0: Mm-hmm. So, in, when Paul says. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Would that be a perfect example of where we take out the word peace and put in shalom?
1: Yes. Uh, The Greek word, irene, which is a direct translation of the Hebrew shalom. And so it it definitely, you hit it on the spot. So um, we have peace with God because of Jesus, the Messiah, because of the cross, because of his resurrection. And... Um, and we can, exp- you know, it's not. Ju- it, there is a sort of a forensic piece, Bill. You know, it's a a, a piece that we have. The enmity between God and man has been erased because of His death for our sin. The sin is what divides us from our relationship with God. But there's also an experiential piece. There's something that happens in our soul mm-hmm. that's real tangible that you can you you can feel and you can sense. Uh, when Jesus comes into your life, when the Prince of Peace invades your life, uh, then you really begin to know the meaning of peace. All things that were falling apart can come together. You have strength to live uh, that you didn't have before. You have you can face divisions within your family, your church, your business, or wherever, whatever relationships, and even in your own soul. And uh, and that's when peace comes. And I could tell you a story when we have more time if you want to
0: hear it. Well, I do want to hear that story. And isn't it a a name for God? Uh, I've got a couple of Old Testament scholars here on the line. So isn't it in Judges somewhere where it's Yahweh Shalom? Absolutely. Okay. That's That's the extent of my knowledge. (laughs) Well,
1: Gideon figured that one out. Okay.
0: So it was Gideon in in Judges. It was. It was, he, he is,
1: Jehovah. We don't use the word Jehovah because we don't know how the vowels really uh, were structured in that day. But we, the letters are yud hey vuv he, which is um, we don't quite know how to pronounce it. But Jehovah is good enough for for the radio right now. <laughs>
0: oh, Awesome. So <laughs> when when we are looking at our very troubled world right now, how yeah. how are we going to find this shalom peace?
1: Well we need we need to find it uh, through him, but we also need to find it in the Word of God because the Word of God gives us a pathway to peace and uh, of course it's it's always going to be through the Prince of peace through Jesus but there's ways that we can live and behave and relate to other people husbands, wives, nations, different uh, ethnic groups um, and there are ways that we can behave that will uh, establish uh, a greater peace and you know, Bill. I was just in Israel. I've got to tell you, one day uh, there will be peace in Israel, and the word of the Lord will go forth from Jerusalem. But it's not quite happening yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and not with, a, not. I almost didn't get home because the next day there were over a hundred thousand protesters, and they closed the airport. Wow. And and so there's there's a great need for peace, uh, even in in the Holy Land. Believe me.
0: So when this peace arrives, it will feature love and and righteousness and and calm, won't it?
1: It will. Um, There's a passage in the book of Ezekiel in chapter 36 uh, where Ezekiel is describing what happens to the Jewish people who return to the land of Israel, as we've seen today. And then the Spirit of God comes upon them, and in a sense, the nation is turned to Jesus in, in, in just a heartbeat, in a moment. And that uh, spiritual transformation actually leads to a physical transformation, the one that Paul was looking for in Romans 8, where the curse would be lifted even from our natural world. And Ezekiel describes uh, Israel, and he says, it will be like the Garden of Eden, like the Garden of Eden, simplicity, purity, peaceful. Uh, And, you know, sometimes... It uh, depends on who you are, but I know for me that uh, when I became a believer in Jesus, that uh, I feel, I almost felt like I entered the Garden of Eden. I mean there was a, a new there was a peace and a purity and a, and just a wonder about uh, what happened to me after I accepted Jesus.
0: That's beautiful. Dr. Mitch Glazer is my guest as well as Tom Berkowitz. We're talking about Shalom. Peace and when I think of the parting gift that Jesus gave his disciples, it was peace, wasn't it? And it wasn't what the world was offering. No, the world can't ever offer what he offered. Mm, so true.
2: So true. The peace Jesus gives us is a peace he leaves with us. And he says it's not as the world gives that I give to you. So not so do not let your heart be troubled nor be anxious. And That is a real gift today in this upside-down world we live in.
0: When you think of the world today, there's more people talking about their anxiety and their anxious thoughts and their worries and their depression, unlike ever before. I'm hearing it come up, and maybe COVID had something to do with it, because it certainly turned the world upside down. What are your thoughts, Mitch?
1: God's very interested in us having peace, Bill. You know, it was six days of creation. On the seventh, he rested and said, um, right before he rested, he said, you know what? This is tov ma'od, very good. Mm -hmm. He had created created man and woman uh, in an ideal state. And uh, and then the the Sabbath, uh, I'm not Saying that uh, Gentile Christians need to mandatory, or it's mandatory to keep the Sabbath, but just because it's not mandatory doesn't mean it's not a good idea. And and there are lessons from the Sabbath that lead to peace. It's a, it's a time for uh, rest, and uh, I, I kind of break it up into into the letters. So uh, the R stands for reflection. Uh, if if we take a rest. Uh, During the week, whether it's Saturday or another day of the week or even just early in the morning, if we take a rest from the busyness of of life that keeps us uh, away from peace, if we take a rest. We begin with the reflection. We think about uh, where our lives are and what God's done. And then um, uh, we can we can go all the way uh, all the way through it. But I think that reflection first. The first one and the last one are important to me is to rest. Is to reflect and then it's also to be thankful uh, when we're thankful it calms the heart and uh, and so I think it's it's very important
2: um, right you know when Jesus came back and he came into the upper room and the disciples were afraid they didn't know what was happening the first thing he said to them, when he looked at him he says peace be with you and he showed him his hands and his, and his side, and then he had to say it again, Peace be with you. And then he told him, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is all from John 20. I don't think we receive the Holy Spirit when our heart's in turmoil. We need that shalom. And those were the perfect words for Jesus to give his disciples. who They didn't know what was happening. I mean, they heard that he was resurrected, now he's with them, they're afraid, and he says, Shalom Aleichem, peace be on you. So that's how important it is, if Jesus started his conversation with his disciples with that.
0: Yeah, great reminder, Tom Berkowitz. You know, I don't know if my little 49cc brain can fathom that peace, although it is real. And it is something that is obtainable in Christ, which is very exciting. And I think it's connected again
1: to uh, to rest and to abiding. In John 15, we're taught to abide uh, in the vine and to receive our life from the vine. There's, a, there's there's a lot in Scripture that teaches that. So I, so Bill, I was a, a, a bad Jewish boy, a young hippie, <laughs> and I, and and I I heard my friend and I were living in San Francisco. I was only 17 and a half, maybe 18. And I heard that you can make a lot of money picking strawberries in Oregon, which of course was not true. And so we, we decided to go up to Oregon, see the sites, pick strawberries, come back with a bit of money and pay some rent. And so I remember standing on the streets of downtown Portland, uh, feeling absolutely humiliated. I was I was just a, a wreck and everybody around me was a wreck. And I just, I felt like I didn't know uh, the story of, of the uh, prodigal son or else I would have uh, been more clear, but, but I just felt like uh, I was, I was really, I made a mess of my life as a young person. And I looked up and it was kind of, it was probably four thirty in the morning. So it was just, the sun was just beginning to just edge, edge up. and, there was a, a sign, a neon sign, and the neon sign quoted Matthew 11. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, of course, it was a typical mission sign, so not all the letters were working, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you, and you had to cipher the thing. Mm-hmm. And But as I read those words and figured out what it said, I had no idea Jesus had said it, by the way. I was raised in a very traditional Jewish home, never read the New Testament, had no idea. But it come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, that was definitely me, and I will give you rest. And then, of course, there's the rest of the passage. But uh, I sensed that rest, that peace. And I think when we take our rest, we take our Shabbat, when we um, we accept the peace that God wants us to have, and we escape some of our busyness. I think that that's really critical.
0: And that's fantastic. Dr. Mitch Glazer and Tom Berkowitz are my guests. We're talking about Shalom Peace with still lots more to talk about. We're going to take a break and be right back. Our spring fundraiser is officially finished. But there's still time to give. If you enjoy this podcast and want to fund more content like this, give a gift now by following the link in the show notes or visit MyFaithRadio.com. Thank you.
1: You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold, Faith, Hope and Clarity in a special repeat performance.
0: Welcome back to the show. So I'm glad to have Dr. Mitch Glazer on the program. Mitch has been a guest before and Tom Berkowitz as well. We're talking about Shalom Peace today. Mitch is president of Chosen People Ministry. Mitch, I'd love for my audience to know more about Chosen People and what kind of work you're doing, uh, even in Israel today. Bill, am I coming through pretty clear? Nice and clear.
1: I'm, I'm all the way remote in South Carolina. <laughs> um, The work in Israel of Chosen People Ministries began actually before Israel was a nation, a modern nation. Uh, A lot of the uh, Holocaust survivors that Chosen People was working with in Europe needed to get out and uh, get out of displaced persons camps, and Israel was still under British rule and we were able to sneak some Jewish believers in. And then in 1948, when Israel became a nation, then we were able to get more in because we had a lot of our missionaries working in Europe taking care of uh, Holocaust survivors. And um, then God began working. And with every phase of what's happened in Israel, every phase of the nation, Chosen People's been able to flex and uh, to, to minister. So when they were Holocaust survivors, we did that. And then when there were... Um, more European Jewish people, and even some North African Jewish people came in, we flexed. And then uh, one of the really great movements recently in Israel is when 1.4 million Russians came in and chosen people for almost 20 years, almost became an entirely Russian uh, Jewish ministry. Now, Now we see something that's absolutely incredible. And so it's going to be 75 years pretty soon, After the formation of uh, the current nation of Israel, in the modern state of Israel, we call it. And there is a movement of the Holy Spirit among young Israelis. And uh, most of them are second generation Israelis. Their moms and dads came to faith, maybe in the Jesus movement, or maybe even a couple of them, their grandparents, so it's a third generation movement. But these are Israeli young people who were raised in Israeli schools. They speak Hebrew perfectly, of course. Uh, they were they served in the army, and uh, as they get into their early twenties and mid twenties into their thirties, uh, a lot of them have just found dynamic relationships with the Lord. They've really found His peace, and and they're communicating that peace to their friends and 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 others. And so Chosen People has two centers, one in Jerusalem, which we own, one in Tel Aviv, which we rent. And we're just in the process of purchasing actually one across the street with two and a half times more space. And the reason we need more space is because almost every week we're getting close to 100 young Israelis for either a Shabbat dinner and, uh, and some Bible study or a concert Uh, because there's a lot of national Israeli messianic music that's happening. That's wonderful. And so our work still is among some Russian Jewish people, certainly among some aging, really aging Holocaust survivors. But there's this new movement and this new work of chosen people among these young Israelis. And I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I'll be in Israel again in May, then again in June, then again in July, and then in September. So I'm spending sort of half half my, my life in Israel right now because God's just doing so much. And we have a team of almost 30 staff members there that are just doing a marvelous job. And it's not just chosen people. A lot of the ministries in Israel and the congregations especially are seeing great fruit for their labor.
0: You no, know, Mitch, when you talk about young Israelis being interested in spiritual things, I am being reminded of a 17-year-old Mitch Glazer being interested in spiritual things. <laughs> right. <laughs> kind of history repeats itself, doesn't it?
1: Uh, you, you know, some people say that... Uh, Jewish people are missionaries without a message, you know.
0: And, <laughs> and
1: we were created to be a light to the nation. We just don't know how to shine sometimes. Mm. But when but when we find the light of the world, then we figure it out,
0: Bill. That's fantastic. So Tom was talking during the break about some of the soldiers that are getting care from Chosen People Ministries. Tom, would you mention that again? Can you talk about that some?
2: Sure least chosen people was doing this when they get out of the service most uh, uh, young Israelis leave the country for about a year before they come back and start college and chosen people have places where they go and they meet them where they are and they start the process of helping them decompress and come and find greater truth in the Lord
1: Uh, yeah absolutely I think Tom and Marsha are trying to hit somebody up for a trip to New Zealand. You know, that
0: (laughs) sounds about right.
1: That's what I think is happening here. So so we own two backpacker youth hostels in New Zealand uh, in the on the South Island, uh, one in Wanaka and one near the on the western coast. And uh, we have capacity for in one for over 50, the other one for 25 or 30. And they're full all the way from uh, the fall uh, we do it by the holidays, Rosh Hashanah, the New Year, all the way through uh, Passover, and we are now wrapping up Passover uh, this week, and um, and soon the Israel some of the Israelis will be going home, and uh, and our missionaries who are serving at these places will all rest. But we're doing the same thing uh, in Taiwan. If you can believe that Jewish Israeli kids love Asian stuff, you know they like food, they like learning how to write uh, Chinese and and Japanese. And so we we just started uh, CPM Japan, where, if you can believe it or not, uh, we have a youth hostel that's already up and running to, in a partnership. And you ready for the name? Bait Samurai. <laughs> and, and and none of the Israelis can figure out why when Americans hear that name, they start laughing, you know, but mm. they just don't, they don't get the joke. It's across too many languages and cultures, but, uh, but there are, we've been serving literally Tom's right. Thousands of Israelis uh, each year uh, with, with fellowship and friendship and meals and hiking with them and, and talking with them informally about the Lord. It's just been a fantastic uh, ministry and uh, and then of course when they get back to Israel then we've got our centers in Tel Aviv and and in Jerusalem where they can have reunions and get back together and there can be follow up so it's a very exciting time if you ask me where the most open field is for Jewish evangelism today I'd have to say Israel
0: that is so exciting
2: it is, it is exciting
0: yeah I, I mean everything you've you've just said Mitch is thrilling I am so glad to hear all this and. You've got another um, very interesting opportunity coming up right here in the state of Minnesota. For those of you who live in the area, there's going to be an amazing conference coming up in the 4th and 5th of May called Finding Shalom in a Troubled World. You can learn more about that at chosenpeople.com. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we'll continue talking about Shalom Peace with Tom Berkowitz and Dr. Mitch Glazer. We'll be right back.
1: You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, Hope and Clarity in a special repeat
2: performance. If
0: you just tuned in, welcome. Hope you had a good day. I've got a wonderful studio with Tom Berkowitz and Dr. Mitch Glazer. We're talking about finding Shalom in a troubled world conference coming up actually here in the twin cities in early May. You can learn more about that at chosenpeople.com. Mitch, did you not have one of these uh, finding Shalom in England recently? We did. Yeah,
1: we did. And I'll tell you part of what's behind it though. Also is that we're, we're trying to help people reach other people. We're trying to help people reach Jewish people. Of course, but reach all people. It's to the Jew first, last time I read. (laughs) But, (laughs) Mm -hmm. But we're really trying to help people. And sometimes we focus a lot on our argumentation, on making the gospel rational and proving the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. And all of that is so important. And we're going to do some of that at this conference. We're going to have workshops on Jewish evangelism, messianic prophecy, archaeology. I mean, we're going to give some really good, tangible ways to demonstrate that Jesus is the Messiah, but there's nothing like living a life of peace before people who really need peace. And I think that our own internal relationship with the Lord and being able to demonstrate that the gospel really works, it's authentic— by doing that and by talking about how to do that, I think will strengthen the testimony of the whole church.
2: I think that's exactly right. I remember once w- when I was sharing with my brother, he said, Tommy, why do I want to be part of the church? I look at it, they have as many problems as I do without any answers. But when they see genuine faith in the Lord, there is a peace that passes all understanding, And that same brother uh, called me up 10 years after I initially witnessed to him. And he said, hey, that Bible you promised me, now I'll take it and read it. (laughs) And I said, what's the change? And he said, I've been watching you. You're not the same brother I grew up with. You know, there is no absence of trials in our lives, but he saw a different way in which I was handling him. And that peace, that shalom, was like a magnet to him
0: that's right it's a good testimony tom it's a wonderful testimony and when you have a life that's being well lived and you have shalom peace i would think in this day and age people are going to be drawn to that for sure like yeah
2: for him when he finally made the decision uh he told his wife and his wife said why did you do something so incredibly stupid? But it was so real and so tangible, even despite the fact that she divorced him, he kept the faith and he's still walking with the Lord, you know, 34 years later. Oh. Yeah. I mean, so that's, it's, it's not something that you can, uh, there's no counterfeit peace to it. When you see genuine peace, it's there. It's real. It's tangible. You can feel it. Other people can feel it, and you become a magnet. They want what you have. And and Bill, if I might say,
1: we're gonna we're gonna cover some of the hard topics at the conference. And we just did this in England with Michael Brown and with Daryl Bach from Dallas Seminary. So we have different speakers coming in and speaking on these topics. And it's amazing the insights some of these folks have. Um, we're going to uh, have Scott Volk, who some people in Minneapolis remember quite well. He and his family are wonderful Jewish believers, and Scott's married to an Egyptian woman, and he's going to speak about peace in the Middle East. Mm. And it's very tangible for for Scott, you know, and he's going to speak from his heart from the scriptures, but he's gonna, but you know s- something that he's really able to live. Um, Mike Rodelnick, who teaches at Moody Bible Institute, is going to be speaking on the ultimate peace that we have through Jesus, the Prince of Peace, especially speaking about the day when he returns and reigns as king. And uh, and we're looking forward to that day. And there are some signs of the times that we need to take note of. And we, we can't get overly carried away. But boy, oh boy, I don't know. I, I'm pretty thrilled to see what God's doing today, because I see these as signs of his coming, including uh, the openness of uh, Jewish people in Israel to Jesus. and
0: so, yeah, Mitch, I would love to hear a little bit more about the signs signs of the times. I know my listeners would be very interested in that. Well,
1: I quoted from ezekiel thirty six before, and it's very important ezekiel thirty six thirty seven thirty eight are important passages. So uh, let me just do chapter 36 uh, for time's sake. But in chapter 36, Ezekiel speaks about something that's going to happen in the latter days that's going to be assigned to the Gentiles. Uh, the Jewish people who were scattered for disobedience to the Torah, to the five books of Moses, to the law, those Jewish people in unbelief will be, be, will be brought back to the land of Israel. And then a few things are going to happen once they're brought back to the land of Israel. But until they were brought back to the land of Israel, we wouldn't see any of these uh, things happen. And uh, if if it's not the final regathering of the Jewish people uh, to Israel, then it's going to be like the regathering. First of all, <laughs> over fifty percent of the Jewish people in the world are now living in Israel. Wow. So And and I always like to ask, how many Israel, LL jumbo jets would it take to remove all these Jewish people? From the land of Israel So it may not be the exact end But it's certainly a sign of the times And so they come back in unbelief And certainly Israel is a, is a land That's filled with people Who do not believe in God Never mind uh, uh, Jesus And so you see a lot of unbelief And But there's a promise at, in Ezekiel 36 Beginning with verse 22 And going through uh, 26, 27 in that passage, if you have a Bible, you can look at it, and that's where we see that the nation will actually be turned to the Lord. Uh, Jeremiah 31 spoke about it: that the law will be written on their hearts, uh, sins will be forgiven. Um, uh, the Ezekiel says, "You will be cleansed with with pure water." Um, well, you'll be cleansed with pure water. I mean, these are symbolic, you know, metaphorical terms that refer to the coming of the Holy Spirit that's going to turn the Jewish people upside down. And then what's interesting is, once uh, the Jewish people become alive uh, because of the Spirit of God, then in the rest of the chapter, all the way through the end of 36, you see the land being healed and the curse lifted. And again, uh, the nation becomes like the Garden of Eden. So first comes the return and unbelief. Second comes the spiritual regeneration of the nation of Israel. And then third comes the physical uh, regeneration of the land of Israel. And it, a lot of people go to Israel today and say, wow, you should see it, the desert's blooming and all these wonderful things. And that's true, but wait till you see what's going to happen next. You know, it's really going to be something. And the other thing I would say is in Zechariah 12.10, where the Jewish people are about to be destroyed, but God sends his Spirit, and they look unto me whom they have pierced, which is, cl- again, clearly teaching that the Jewish people will turn to Jesus, and Jesus will return. But what's interesting there is is the order of repentance, and the Spirit of God would actually fall uh, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem now. Jerusalem would have to be inhabited with Jewish people for the inhabitants, <laughs> the Jewish inhabitants, to turn to the Lord. That's a very mean, good point, Mitch. Uh, you know, um, I've always I've always read Scripture rather plainly <laughs> and and believe what it says. And so it looks like the Jewish people will have Jerusalem in their possession at the in the day that that happens. It certainly wow. hasn't happened yet, but Jerusalem became part of. Uh, the modern state of Israel in 1967. And so you see all of that. Plus, we know in Romans chapter 11, verses uh, 25 and following, in that day, all Israel will be saved. But that could be a last-minute turning of everybody, or it could be a buildup to that end. And I kind of see that as a buildup. I see that the the remnant of Jewish people believing in Jesus will increase as we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus. And that momentous happening when the Jewish people look unto me when they have pierced, when they cry out in Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 through 39, right. where Matthew says that they will cry out, Baruch haba adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so these are some of the signs that I see, Bill. I'm ready to be proven wrong, but... I don't know. They seem to be they seem to be overwhelming at this point.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Tom, do you want to prove him wrong right now? Oh no, no. <laughs> okay, preacher brother, preacher. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I feel. That's amazing, amazing. Uh, Dr. Mitch Glazer and Tom Berkowitz are my guests. Shalom, peace is our topic, and I think so many people are wondering: is peace even achievable in this broken world? It's hard to see true peace, and then let alone your own sense of feeling whole seems to escape your grasp. But can you feel? whole and at peace and if you have the peace the shalom peace of Christ in your life um it, it is a absolute gift from him and it's um, that's where it comes from
2: yes and this conference we're having in in May the first week of May it's going to be started kicked off with a women's event just for women and it's going to be Thursday night it's going to be a dessert event and we're going to have exciting teachers There, Robin awesome. Brookenstein who is one of Mitch's uh, uh, best people in Israel. She, right-hand, women, right-hand woman is what you were looking for. Yeah, Tom. There you go. Yeah, Thanks.
0: <laughs> Thanks for coaching him, Mitch. And we have Jenny Goetz
2: giving her testimony, and she uh, uh, traveled with Mitch's good friend, Bob Dylan, who's from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. In fact, they were a New <laughs> Believers class in the vineyard when they both came to the Lord, and we're going to have her testimony, Nancy Santiago- who is a Messianic believer and a, a great musician. This is a gift just for the women in our community. Sweet. Sweet. So, uh, Mitch, I, I
0: would love for you to talk about when you are in in search of that shalom peace when you're in the midst of suffering.
1: Yeah. Well, you can't wait till you suffer to start looking for peace in the Lord. Amen. It's something that you have to practice. And, uh, and then the Lord equips you for those really, really rough moments when everything seems to be caving in, and so often it's a, a health problem with a loved one and or a business uh, falling apart uh, or just deep, deep disappointment. And uh, I love what Swindoll once said, that God's—and probably he got it from somewhere, too, probably—but, you know, our disappointments are God's appointments. And, you know, it's just— it's just so true. Uh, but I say, uh, why don't you just take a, a, a day sometime and just try a Shabbat. Try not opening your social media accounts. Try not working on your computer. I mean, there's a lot that Christians can learn from the Jewish community, you know. And, and just let it rest and focus on the Lord and build up your spiritual muscles to, to be able to have peace. I mean, it's not, again, it's not something that happens overnight. And so there will be times of suffering and tribulation for all of us. Um, but if we can walk into it, knowing the Lord in a way where we really can depend upon Him and trust Him, uh, we're all going to be, our limits are always going to be tested, Bill. They're always going to be tested. And uh, I think you know that. Tom knows that, and I know that. Marcia knows it. And our, but uh, our capacity for peace can grow as we grow in the Lord over the years. And so, but I say practice on a day or two here and there. Take a Shabbat. Mm. See, see what it's like. And uh, spend the day uh, in the Word and with the Lord and with your family and see if that doesn't strengthen your spiritual muscles.
0: Mm -hmm. A reminder, too, that we we may never know the specific reason for any of our suffering, but we can trust an all-sovereign God.
2: That's for sure. That's for sure. And then we're called to be lights so we can walk alongside other people who are suffering and help them through that by sharing our peace, our shalom with them which will lead them closer to the Prince of Peace. All right. We're going to take a little break. We come back more
0: Shalom Peace. Don't we all need more of that and want more of that? My guests are Dr. Mitch Glazer and Tom Berkowitz. We'll be right back.
1: are listening to an Encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance.
0: I'm back with Dr. Mitch Glazer and Tom Berkowitz. Shalom Peace is our topic today. And uh, Mitch, when you were discussing the Shabbat dinners that are getting to be so popular in Israel when you're there, is part of the dinner uh, not only sharing this sh- uh, Shalom Peace, but also helping to train and equip people to pass this peace on not only to the people in their life but to future generations. Um, I don't know maybe they're helping us uh, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> that makes they're, more sense their 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 youthful
1: natural enthusiasm for jesus and and mm-hmm. I mean you know we always have a bunch of IDF soldiers and fatigues uh, at these Shabbat dinners and uh, I mean, they're just they're just so engaged and they love worshiping the Lord. And but they always bring we always have, you know, 10 percent or at least not yet believers uh, with us. And uh, and so there's just lots of conversations. And, you know, some of the I I love these young people and some they're just so respectful, some of them. And they it looks like some people show good parenting, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they have good pastors. And uh, so they have a respect for those who are a little older in the Lord than they are. And uh, so they, they literally bring their friends so we can talk to them. And then they stand there and listen. And so I think the instruction is more, you know, on the go, sort of uh, very personalized as in the midst of conversations. And then you can talk about these conversations with some of these young people afterwards. In May, we, act- we actually have a, a whole weekend Uh, called um, uh, Living Waters, Mayim Chaim, where we go to a hotel and we'll bring about 35 or 40 men and women, quite a number of couples, and probably about 25 children. And these are all leaders, young leaders within Israel, who are part of the body. And we'll have about 15 congregations within Israel represented. And we'll go away for a weekend by the beach and we'll just... Listen to uh, we have a great scholar from Talbot Seminary, an Old Testament scholar, uh, coming to speak to us on the Book of Proverbs, some practical wisdom, and uh, then we'll have a lot of the young people themselves giving devotionals, giving testimonies, and talking about uh, the work. And there's a lot of worship and a lot of prayer, and is a, a nice beach and a pool, and we take care of their children. Oh, Pretty sounds, good
0: deal, huh? That sounds lovely. Because when we, when you, when I think of that daily Jewish prayer, doesn't it always identify the Messiah as the Redeemer that's been promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob?
1: It's 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 a thread throughout all of Judaism, okay. uh, Bill, and um, the, you know, Passover is. A, I mean, I know we're ending it, but uh, but Passover is probably a prime example. Every Jewish holiday looks back to look forward. So Passover looks back at the exodus from Egypt, but it also looks forward in two ways, actually. Uh, From a, a typically Jewish point of view, it looks forward to the great redemption that Ezekiel was talking about and Jeremiah was talking about, when the Jewish people will be redeemed, brought back to the land, the curse would be lifted, and the Messiah will reign as king. That is the real hope of the Jewish people. But we look back to see the redemption of the firstborn, In Exodus chapter 12 and the crossing of the Red Sea, entering the promised land eventually after 40 years. And, you know, we we see that as a real paradigm for salvation and redemption that is woven all the way through uh, Jewish life. Uh, As Messianic Jews, of course, we see an interim step in the middle. And that's where the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is revealed. Uh, uh, John 129 uh, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isaiah 53, of course, which has uh, um, a marvelous prophetic description of the Messiah, like a lamb that will be led to a slaughter like a sheep silent before his shearers. So I would say that in general, Judaism looks back to the great works of God and creation and redemption. And that is how we shape our future, how we understand our future. Uh, in terms of what God is going to do. The big, of course, the big issue for me, because I live in the Holy Land, you know, Brooklyn, and uh, (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm surrounded by religious Jewish people. Mm -hmm. With some of the more religious, you know, the the issue is not, is there a Messiah? Can there be a Messiah? Will the Messiah be a person, not a nation? Uh, And all those questions that a more secular Jewish person might want to discuss but where I where I hang out, where I live in my hood, there's just I mean it's it's really uh, who is the Messiah? That is the debate. That is the question. And what we keep doing in the United States and in Israel is injecting uh, this whole issue: uh, is Jesus the Messiah? Is is he a worthwhile candidate? You know, and can we talk about this? And a lot of a lot of Jewish people are willing to talk. Uh, but it's because of this, as you uh, very accurately stated, this theme of a redeemer of redemption woven all throughout Judaism and through all the historical religious documents of Judaism. It's it's all there, and uh, but at the end of the day, the question is who is
0: it? Mm, I love that, and I think maybe I asked the question, uh, well, because Tom was talking about a, a Seder meal. He was on the show recently, in Marcia, and Marsha, and. Part of that is teaching and training kids and grandkids and passing on that generational piece, which I thought was oh. beautiful.
2: Throughout the Hebrew scriptures, this Lador Vador, from generation to generation, there's always memorial stones that will trigger them to ask questions. And that's part of the Shabbat dinner, the when we get a chance at our grandchildren and our, even our children. Um, that there's something more than their busy lives, that they can stop. And the two things that we always teach is remember and observe. And then we start talking about their issues. Hmm. And hopefully we bring peace to what they're going through. Absolutely.
1: Uh, there's There's a Jewish thought, and Tom expressed it quite well, and that is we're always one generation away from our children forgetting about God, wow. and it, it, Jewish people, every Jewish holiday and Shabbat especially, we're all very driven to try and help our children understand uh, the importance of of what God has done in the past and of what He can do in the present and future.
2: Hmm. And that's why at the conference we're going to have a a Shabbat meal on the Friday night of the conference and I would strongly encourage people to come because they can take that and start it with their families too but they'll see how it's been done in Jewish households from generation to generation Mm -hmm. and not a lot of
0: Christians have that uh, tradition and it'd be probably great if more did
1: it it would it's a great peace practice Mm -hmm. you know and uh you know, learning how to rest and learning how to have peace, uh, you know, is it, very similar. We're going to have Michael Zinn, who leads our work in Israel. He has a marvelous testimony. He's spoken at Wooddale, shared his testimony. And Michael is going to give a message that Friday night on on Shabbat. And uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be a wonderful message. I, I hope that folks won't miss it.
2: Hmm. and people are going to love it because Marty Getz is going to do the music during that yeah, and I know my family would because they have to listen to my music otherwise.
0: Really? Yeah, so it sounds like it's going to be a, a wonderful opportunity and it, if you live in the Twin Cities area or nearby it would be a great uh, thing to check out and I, I I also believe that there will be some opportunities to view it um, at some point, a live stream or something we'll find out more about that at chosenpeople.com. Uh,
1: that's true, Bill, but the food won't be as good.
2: And that's so true. <laughs> that is so true. It, well, It will be a live streamed, so your audience <laughs> that are outside the Twin City area, if they can't come in yep. and be there in person, they can experience it. And that's an important
0: piece of the... Online. Uh, yeah, to be have, have it online as well. Well, Mitch, uh, thank you. So nice to hear your voice, and I'm excited about uh, the conference, and thank you for being... As always, a wonderful guest. Thank you, Bill, and shalom to you and your family. Shalom to you. Tom, always good to see you. Thanks for being right here with me in studio. Thank you for having us. All right. all right. We'll take a little break. When we come back, I've got lots more show for you. My friend Jeff Verdorn is going to answer my seven questions, so I'm putting him on the hot seat. Be right back.